0: Hi, I'm Mark Priestley. After a life spent in the elite environment of the Formula One pit lane learning how to win, this podcast aims to bring that elusive high performance culture into your daily lives. In this week's episode, we're looking at the intentionality behind the many small and larger decisions we make every day and the outcomes they can lead to. Plus, I've got some tips and tricks on how to manage a busy day through effective time management. Welcome back to Pit Lane Life Lessons. Talk about how Formula One teams are so successful. Tiny things, but you only find those tiny things when you look for them. Of course, there's only one winner in every Grand Prix, so for everybody else, you haven't won, so it could be deemed that's that's a failure. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast with me Mark Priestley. I want to say a huge thank you to all of you for joining. Wherever you are in the world, whatever it is you're up to whilst listening, whoever it is you're with whilst you're listening to this, I appreciate every single one of you taking time out of your day, precious time to spend with me here while we talk about Formula 1 and some of the lessons that we can all benefit from Formula 1 in our daily lives. I appreciate I'm really grateful to you all for being here so thank you. I also want to say a massive thanks to everybody who w- watched or listened to last week's episode but importantly if you shared last week's episode and I know loads of you did because you tagged me on social media something I really appreciate I reshared as many of those as I could. If you left me a review again thank you so so much. There was a lot of support for last week's episode after a bit of a break, a bit of time away I was really pleased to be back, and it seems many of you too were, you guys were too, so thank you so much for, for all of that love you showed me, I appreciate it. Uh, this week... I have had a brilliant, brilliant week in terms of my working life, my personal life. Things are going well for me right now. Things have been sort of on the up. I'm in a good place mentally. I'm in a good place in terms of my, uh, as I say, my working life, the various roles that I, I play out in uh, in my professional career. They're all going well right now. This is a good time for me. And I'm not saying that to brag or to show off. I'm saying that because I feel on top of the world and this week I had a couple of days at work in particular that were just amazing quite frankly. One of them was a day filming for Wheeler Dealers and I came away from that day thinking this was one of the best days I've had at work ever. It was a day where I was very fortunate to be driving a very fast car around a racetrack almost all to myself for most of the day. That's a pretty incredible way to spend a day at work. And I was absolutely grateful that that was a a privileged position to be in. And I came away from that day buzzing, adrenaline flowing through, through my veins for hours afterwards. The next day, I went off and I spoke to an enormous company at the O2 in London, a big conference where I was on stage in the middle of a giant room, hundreds and hundreds of people, and it went so well. You know, it couldn't have gone better. The crowd was really engaged. I feel like I delivered something very, very good in terms of engagement with the crowd, in terms of getting them on board, in terms of delivering a message that was perfectly spot on for them. You know, everything went well. And I'm saying this because at the end of those few days, those few days where I came away each day, and I've told you before, I write a journal, and each day I was writing down things that were just superlatives, you know, it was the best day ever. It was an incredible, one of my best performances on stage that I'd given, one of my best days of filming, all of these things were the best. And I'm telling you this because after that period of time, after me writing these things down, reflecting on all of those great moments that i would had throughout the week, I wanted to start thinking about what might be the reasons why these things are all coming at once. Why are these days happening to me all in one go? Why is it that all these great things are happening now? You know, we all get great days in our life. I've had plenty of them. I'm very lucky to have had some wonderful days at work but they tend to be spaced out. They tend to have come over a period of time and you remember them because they're kind of standalone days in amongst a bunch of other days that are just kind of okay or pretty good. Extra special days come along once in a while and I seem to have had a few of them over the course of the last week or so. So I asked myself why and these are the kind of things, the questions I ask myself when I'm writing my journal. Why are these things happening? Why was today so special? Why do I feel so good right now? And the answer, after much deliberating, after much thinking about it, going back and looking at what's happened in my life leading up to those moments, looking back through my journal at some of the decisions that I may have made in the weeks or even months before this period of time, could there be any clues in those that have led me down this path that's delivered some kind of success in my life? And the answer is, I went back through them. Yes, there were some decisions around my health and fitness and well-being that I made a few months back, changed up my routine in terms of the nutrition that I'm getting. I'm really focusing on that Uh, over the past two or three months. My fitness regime has just gone up a level and I've programmed it now into a daily habit. So I'm doing it without thinking. And because I'm doing it every single day and have been now for quite a period of time, I'm starting to notice the results of that. I'm feeling physically fitter, feeling like I've got more energy. But those were decisions to go down that path that happened months ago. They were tiny little decisions that I've been making every single day. The decision to get up early and immediately do some exercise. The decision to not get a McDonald's on the way home from work, but to cook myself something a bit more nutritional, a bit more healthy, making healthier choices in everything that I consume and put into my body. Now I'm not extreme, I still love a beer in the evening, I still love a glass of wine, and every now and again I will have a McDonald's. So I'm not being fanatical about it, but in general I'm making healthier choices, both in terms of nutrition, also in terms of my fitness, but also choices around things like my sleep trying to prioritise getting a good night's sleep, not something that I think I've ever really done in my life before. I wear a sleep tracker, I collect data on how I sleep, and I've got data around how I live my live my life, build up through my days, and how that then impacts on my sleep. And all of this, when I start to analyse this data, when I start to analyse these prior decisions that I'd made, it starts to dawn on me that, Of course, I'm now starting to see the results of those things that I chose to do months ago. Even though every single day, those choices that I'm making, those different behaviours, are only kind of maybe five minutes here, five minutes there. It's taking an extra 10 minutes to prepare something a bit healthier for lunch rather than taking the easy option. It's getting up half an hour earlier and just doing maybe 10 minutes extra of physical fitness regime in the mornings. It's moments like that that I'm now seeing the outcomes of all these months later. And of course, it's pretty obvious when you think about it, isn't it? It's obvious that that is what's going to happen. That is exactly what marginal gains is all about. Formula One has inbred that into me for years, making tiny choices, making tiny improvements in every single area leads to pretty significant gains in the long run. I mean, a pit stop is the perfect example of that tiny little incremental changes to the positioning of somebody around the car, where you put your left foot compared to the person who's taking the next wheel off or putting the next wheel on, what position you sit with the wheel gun before the car arrives and moving that by a few centimetres to be ready so you're in exactly the right spot when the car stops. These little tiny incremental changes, when they're done over time with lots of people and lots of inputs, Deliver something pretty significant in the end. And that's what I'm seeing right now. And if I go back even further than that, I started to think about how lucky I was to be having these days at work, the sort of days that some people would dream about racing a car around a racetrack that you've got all to yourself while people film you doing it over and over again, and someone's paying you to do that. That's a pretty incredible day at work. And I am fully appreciative of just how lucky I was to have that opportunity. But that opportunity came about because of a bunch of decisions that I made quite some time ago. And when I began to really delve down into this and think about it quite deeply, when were those decisions made? What were the decisions that led me to this place to allow me and give that opportunity for me to have that amazing day at work that I had on Tuesday of this week just gone? And I can trace it back. Of course, I can trace it back. I was filming for Wheeler Dealers on that particular day, so I can trace that back to the decision that I made to take a a job filming uh, with Mike Brewer a few years ago on a show called Dream Car. That led on to the role on Wheeler Dealers, and that led on to where I am today. But of course, before that, there was a decision years prior to that one that was a decision to create a TV show for the Discovery Channel called Driving Wild, Anyone who's got Discovery Plus, you can go and find it now. Epic series. (laughs) But that was a decision that I made probably back in 2017, I think. 2016, maybe even. To sit down with a production company, try and create a show based around motorsport and my experience, where I travelled the world building cars and um, vehicles to compete in motorsport events of all different types in all corners of this planet. It was an amazing show. But that decision then led on, because it was Discovery Channel, to the opportunity that came along with Dream Car when Mike Brill was looking for a a partner to make that show for Discovery Channel. And then that led led on to me working for Discovery Channel on Wheeler Dealers. So that moment on Tuesday can be traced right back to a moment, probably in 2016. But of course, it goes way back even further than that. Because the only reason I got the, somebody to even listen to the idea of making a TV show with me at the front and centre of it around motorsports was because of my time in Formula One. Of course it was. It was me bringing my Formula One experience to grassroots motorsport operations around the world, building teams, building vehicles and entering them into competition but it was the Formula One element that made that show interesting. So my decision to get into Formula One, my 10 years at McLaren, and the years beyond that in the media side of Formula One, all fed into that moment, of course. So that can be traced way, way back. Way back, I got my job at McLaren in the year 2000. And of course, even beyond that, I chose the path towards Formula One many years before that. That dream of mine to get into Formula One, to have Formula One as a career, began many, many, many years ago, probably 25 years ago. Those little choices and decisions that I made, the decision I remember making one particular day when I was at college and I was probably 17, 16 years old maybe. I was at college studying A-levels. Studying A-levels that I didn't really have too much interest in. A-levels I felt like I was expected to take I didn't enjoy them. And I had a moment, an epiphany one day where I realised the thing I really loved was motorsport. The thing I really enjoyed uh, talking about and working on was cars, was technology. Why couldn't I get a job? Why couldn't I have a career in motorsport? And I made the decision that day, way back when I was 16 or 17, to ditch my A-levels, to go and have a difficult conversation with my parents and switch to a career path that led me towards Formula One by studying engineering and going through all of the processes, climbing the ladder all the way through the motorsport world to get to the pinnacle. So my day on Tuesday, where I had one of the best days of my life behind the wheel of a Ferrari-powered Maserati around a clear, open racetrack, could be traced all the way back to a choice that I made probably back when I was 16 or 17 years old. Now, the reason that is so significant, the reason that should strike a chord with all of us is we can think about the decisions that we make, not just career-based decisions, not just the big life-changing decisions, but the decisions that we make every single day of our lives have knock-on effects some way down the line. Now, I had no idea when I made that choice, when I went home from college that particular day and sat down with my parents and said, listen... Mum and Dad, I've decided I'd really like to ditch the A-levels and move on to an engineering course. When I'd made that choice and had to walk in and have that conversation, I had no idea exactly where that was going to lead. Very quickly, I knew I wanted to get to Formula One, but back then it was just about working on cars. It was about understanding engineering to an even greater degree. It was following a passion, something that I loved. And then it led on to the next thing. And because I loved that and I was passionate about it, I gave it everything. It led on to the next thing all the way through little decisions and choices, uh, little forks in each road that I came down, led me down various paths that all ended up with me on Tuesday behind the wheel of that car on a racetrack. So when we're thinking about what we're doing each particular day, the choices that we make, whether it's about what to have for breakfast about what sort of healthy choices to uh, when it comes to our food and our uh, the things we consume these choices make a difference it's really easy to stop at McDonald's or to get the microwave meal on the way home and i've done that for years i don't have time on my hands i'm a very time poor person i have so much going on in my life it's way easier to just get a takeaway or to stop at the petrol station and pick up a microwave meal. Those are choices that I made for many years because it was the easy thing to do. I thought I was saving valuable time by not having to cook a dinner, time that I could be using to be more productive in terms of my work. But the reality is the knock-on effect of that meant my health and nutrition suffered. And probably, and in fact, not even probably, definitely, I realise now I wasn't able to perform to my best because I wasn't nutritionally complete. I wasn't in the best place physically. And of course, all of these things have a knock-on effect to our mental state as well. So these tiny choices and decisions that we make can have some major impact at some point further down the line. Now, I'm not just talking decisions that have an impact 20 years from now, I'm talking about decisions that we make in the morning that can have an impact later on that day. Decisions that we make one day and how they affect what we, how we perform the next decisions around what time we go to bed, how we prepare for sleep. All of these decisions can actually be critical and have a major, make a major difference in our performance, in terms of work, how we interact with loved ones in relationships how our body language is when we come into the office and how that then affects other people and how they interact with us. All of these little things can have an impact because if I come into the office and I'm tired because I haven't slept and that was as a result of staying up late, drinking too much wine the night before, scrolling social media or getting lost down a TikTok hole until one o'clock in the morning. I didn't get sleep. I didn't eat well the day before. I wasn't well prepared. And now the next day, I'm going to suffer as, as a result of that. And I come into work and I'm knackered. I've got bags under my eyes. I've got very low energy. My shoulders are dropped. I've got no no impetus or energy to engage in many conversations with my colleagues around the office. Well, how are they going to start treating you? How are they going to react to you and interact with you? Definitely not in the same way as if you come in bouncing full of enthusiasm, full of energy, with a big smile on your face, shoulders back, spring in your step. There's a very different way that people interact with somebody in that state to the person who is looking like they really don't want to be there and they cannot be bothered. Now, if you've got an engagement with the boss that particular day, and those are the two states that could be possibilities on offer for you for that person, how do you think the boss is going to engage with each of those people? The person who's smiley and bouncy and enthusiastic, of course, is going to get a better reaction from the boss. Now, what decision might the boss make on that day because of how he's interacted with you? The boss could offer you a promotion. They could give you an opportunity that might lead to promotion. They might give you the opportunity to step up in your career or take on a big project. If the boss, he or she, comes along and is faced with an employee who really looks like they do not want to be there, they are far less likely to give those opportunities your way. These little choices can have a big impact. And those were the realisations that I came to this week when I started to think about some of the reasons that I'm having a great week right now. It's because of small choices that I have made, both in the short term building up to this week, but also if I really want to trace it back, a long way back in my life. Now, we have no idea what the impact is going to be long term of some of the choices we make, but we can mitigate against the risks of those choices being negative in terms of things like our health. If we look after our health, we're much more likely to get a positive outcome further down the line. Those are easy choices really to make. We know the outcomes or the most likely outcomes and we know what we need to do in terms of our behaviours and our choices if we want to head towards those more positive outcomes. And we equally know what happens if we do things the other way. So think a little bit about the choices you're making right now. Think about the choices you're making every day when you go into work, how you look, how you sound, how you interact with people. Think about the choices on a bigger level. What about the choices you make financially? What about the choices you make in terms of your career? Are you heading down the path that 10 years from now is only going to see you in a very similar state? It's fine if that's a great place to be, but if you're not that happy, maybe you need to make a different choice. Maybe you need to think about a choice that might be difficult today, but in the long run could play out something quite amazing for you. Maybe if you know what you've got right now and there's a choice that you have, there's a choice that you can make where maybe it might lead into unknowns somewhere down the line. Is the unknown potentially better than what you have got today that you're not happy with? To try and equate this to Formula One a little bit, I thought about the decisions and choices that Formula One teams have to make that have a long lead time, that have an impact some way down the line, but the choice might have had to be made maybe some months earlier. Formula One is an incredibly fast-paced business. Things move and change rapidly, we know that. But in the modern era of Formula One, things have to be made, or choices have to be made, much more strategically perhaps, much more efficiently, and therefore much more effectively, than perhaps they had to be made some time ago when you could just throw money at problems, you could continually try things until you found the right solution. I was thinking about this because we had the Red Bull launch on uh, Friday in New York. And of course, with all that talk around Red Bull and Formula One now really building with launch season just about underway for what it's worth, launch season uh, in inverted commas. uh, Red Bull were talking about the impact that their sort of aerodynamic uh, research and development restrictions are going to have on them. So they get less time in the wind tunnel and with their CFD programs than the other teams because they won the championships. That's the first restriction. They get less time because they won the championship. That's partly to try and level the playing field, of course, in the new regulations. But also they get even less time as a result of them breaching the cost cap In the previous years. So all of these knock-on effects have meant they've got a vastly restricted program of aero development compared to their main rivals. And what impact is that going to have? Well, it's going to have a significant impact is the very first and simple answer to that. The big impact it's going to have in relation to what we're talking about is they are going to have to make decisions that they won't see the results of for some time, but they've got to commit to those decisions quite early. Now, in the past, what I mean by this is you could, let's say we're talking about a front wing development program. You could make a decision on a front wing, and there is a lead time, a significant lead time on front wings, getting through the design process, then you go through your sort of simulation process, do a bit of wind tunnel testing, for example, and eventually somebody has to, you know, compress the button and say, right, go, it's a good wing, we want to put it into production. And then there's a lead time in terms of manufacturing a couple of those wings or enough of those wings to be able to take it to the racetrack and fit them to the race cars. But in the meantime, what you could be doing is continuing that development program. You would just, you wouldn't stop. You wouldn't sort of get that wing to a state where you sign it off and then stop and wait for it. You continue that program. You try more tweaks. You change a little thing. You change a bit of a an end plate or you make a tweak to a, a front wing flap. You're continually developing, continually running uh, simulation tools and wind tunnel cars, looking for incremental improvements because even up to the very last minute if you keep finding those you can implement them on the final design by the time it gets through the production run what red bull are having to do now because they haven't got the luxury of being of having the freedom of continuously running in the wind tunnels and on their simulation tools they have to commit quite early to a particular direction of development with aerodynamics and then stick to it because they haven't got the luxury of being able to go back into the wind tunnel and continually tweaking and developing. So they're going to have to make a decision which they may not see the benefits of for months, weeks, probably months. And in the meantime of that, they're going to be very limited in terms of what they can do to continue that development program other teams will be have a, have a little bit more freedom to a little bit more scope to do those things but they're going to have to be very very intentional and efficient about how they make their decisions. And this is I think what I want to try to equate what I've been talking about with Formula 1. The more intentional we can be about our decision making, the better outcomes we're going to get. The more efficient we can bring our lives, we can make our lives, whether that's in a professional sense or a personal sense. Efficiency is a good thing because time being our most valuable and precious resource, we don't have endless amounts of it. You know, Red Bull have had theirs restricted even more, but even in life, it's highly restricted. We get to an end point, we can't buy anymore, we cannot create anymore. We have a finite amount of time on our hands. So, making decisions that are efficient, that lead to the most productive, the most positive outcomes, is critical. So can we get to a better place to be able to do that? And the answer is, of course we can, and the way we do it is by being very intentional about the choices and decisions we make. And what I mean by that, to clarify, is that we make hundreds or thousands of decisions every single day. Many of those decisions we're not even aware of, they are subconscious, they're the tiny little decisions, the tiny things that we just do on autopilot without even realizing but then there's another level of decision the ones that may not seem significant but we have to make a choice again we often do it somewhat on autopilot it's the decision to open the car door because you've got to get in it we know we've got to do it it's just a habit we know we don't have to think about it if we're going to get in the car to drive to work we've got to open that door we don't have to get to the door and decide shall i open it or not we know that's a decision we've got to make and we just make it And we go through hundreds of those decisions where we don't actually think about them because we kind of just know what to do. Then there's another level after that where we have to think a little bit more about them or those decisions have a slightly bigger impact on our day. The decision to turn left at the traffic lights or turn right, bearing in mind we don't know which way is gonna have worse traffic. The decision to grab some fast food for lunch or to prepare a healthy snack before we go into the office. These are the decisions that again we probably don't really think about very often because they happen every single day. So we get into a habitual routine where we just go through the motions. We might be running a little bit late in the mornings, we're a little bit unprepared, and that's become a habit, and so as a result of that, we can't make the healthy snack. We can't prepare something healthy before we leave for the office because we haven't got time. We're running around trying to find clothes. We're running around trying to get kids ready we're in a little bit of a panic because we're not prepared. We're not organised. And so then that leads to a knock-on decision where we've got to buy some fast food. We've got to take the easy option. And our health over time begins to suffer. Now, that doesn't have to be significant. These are tiny, small, seemingly inconsequential decisions As we go through our day, we don't think about them being consequential. That's why we gloss over them so much. And what I'm saying is Red Bull Racing now have to be very intentional about the decisions they make. They can't just throw a huge amount of time and money at a front wing program because if the first version doesn't work, the next version might work. And if that doesn't, the one after that might. They can't just throw 10 front wings at a car before the season starts. They've got to be careful, meticulous. They've got to be efficient and super intentional when it comes to making the choices. We can do the same. If we're intentional about the choices we make, we're far more likely to make better ones. And that means choosing the night before, we, the night before when we go to bed, choosing what we're going to do the next morning, thinking about it in advance, getting your clothes ready, finding out where they are, laying them out next to your bed. Maybe even making a lunch the night before if you need to, or at least getting the ingredients together ready for you in the morning to make that process easier. We talked in last week's episode about creating habits and the easiest and best ways to do those things. This is a great way to fit that into your life, but you've got to choose, you've got to be intentional about wanting to create that habit. You've got to choose the habit or choose the decision that's going to lead to the best outcome for you if we put it on autopilot, if we just cruise through life and let these things happen, which is fine, by the way, many millions of people do it. I've done it for years. It's absolutely okay to do that as long as you're not harming yourself or others. But if we want to try and force a better outcome, if we want to try and give ourselves the best choices of a better outcome, mitigate against the risk of negative outcomes, we need to make an intentional choice. If Red Bull just take a punt on the very first wing they come up with and then commit to it because, well, they haven't really got time to think of another one, it's a bit hit and miss as to whether that car is going to be a quick car when it comes to the first race. But if they sketch a few ideas out, if they think up a few different ideas on the drawing board, but then very intentional about which ones they pursue, the pros and cons of each looking at what potential outcomes each one might lead to in terms of aero efficiency, drag, downforce, all of these factors have to be considered. If they're very intentional and meticulous and efficient about that process, they're far more likely to get a better outcome. And we can do exactly the same sort of thing. And I highly recommend it. The way my life is going right now, it clearly, I've had a great week and I apologize if it sounds like I'm banging on and, and, and showing off. I'm really not. I'm not bragging about this. I'm using my great week and some of the good outcomes I'm experiencing right now, which I'm celebrating because that's what we should be doing. It won't be like this forever. There will be negative outcomes that happen all the time. Of course, they do. They happen every day at different scales. It will not be this good forever. But while it is here, while I'm enjoying a high point in my life, I want to celebrate it, first of all, but also look back for the clues as to why it might be happening. Because if we can think about the trail of breadcrumbs that have led us to this place, if it's a good place, we can trace them back and we can try and replicate them. We can implement them in future decision making moments that we have in our lives And as a result of that, we're far more likely to get closer to this good place again in the future. So believe me when I say intentionality when it comes to your choices is a really key part. It's something that's become even more prevalent in Formula One, not just for Red Bull, for everybody. We're in a cost-capped era. We've got to be efficient in everything we do. So we've got to think even harder about it. We can't throw money at problems. We have to throw thought we have to be a bit more careful about how we make those decisions. Formula One's having to become very, very good at that very quickly. We're in the early phases of this cost-capped era, and everyone's still getting to grips with it. The very fact that Red Bull fell foul of the cost cap in the years that have just gone is a very is a sign of of this is not easy. This is something that is going to take some getting used to. People will find boundaries that they can push. They will find efficiencies they can make internally. They will have to figure out processes to allow them to get the very best out of this newfound situation that they're all in. But we have the same going on in our lives all of the time. Our lives are changing rapidly. Every single day, we are faced with new challenges, new hurdles which we have to overcome. And thinking about those things in the most efficient manner is by far the best way to get the right outcomes that we want. Okay, I want to move this on because over the course of the break from Christmas and New Year, when this podcast had a bit of a down period, I took some time off to relax and recuperate. I got so many messages, all of which I'm hugely grateful for from you guys. Messages, many of you saying, when's it coming back? I'm desperate for it again. I'm missing it in my life. Thank you for that. That that really did fuel me to come back and do more. But also I got lots of people writing to me with suggestions and ideas for future episodes. And that was something very special. And I would love it if you continue to to send me those. You can uh, send me a message on any of my social media platforms at F1 Elvis. My DMs are always open and I will always engage with you if you want to talk about suggestions, if you've got feedback, positive or negative, by the way. I want all feedback because the only goal here is to make the podcast better. But uh, a person called Steve uh, wrote to me over the course of that break, and he wrote to me with a question that he thought I might be able to shed some light on or to answer from my perspective. And this is something I love doing. I, Over the years, I have mentored lots of people. I still mentor people today. It's something I really enjoy doing. Uh, I enjoy trying to throw a little bit of light on a subject that someone else might not have been able to see or to come at something from a different perspective. And I have a perspective, of course, that's largely influenced through my time in Formula One. And sometimes that can really help. A question Steve wrote to me and said, uh, it was a lovely email. I won't read it all to you, but the points that he says here, which I was really interested in bringing to you guys, he says, "Um, I'd like to know uh, how is it um, that you can best compartmentalise and switch between dis- uh, different aspects of life? He says, I have a demanding job, uh, which I then have to balance with making sure my mum, who suffers from dementia, is doing okay. So I think I'm quite good at managing both, as well as trying to make sure I maximise my free time. I do running, listening to music, etc. But I was wondering if you have any life lessons or techniques, suggestions, uh, so that you might Most efficiently and effectively switch between two opposing tasks. Um, So, first of all, Steve, thank you. You know who you are. Thank you very much. I'm sure you'll be listening. I really appreciate the email. And I thought it was an interesting subject to go into in a little bit more depth because I'm exactly the same. I have a lot of things going on in my life, and I know many of you will be the same. We're not just doing one thing, we have jobs, we have careers. Many of us will have more than one job. And then we might come home, we've got families, we've got children, we've got loved ones, partners, we've got people around us that need our attention as well. We've got hobbies, there's houses and cars and all sorts of things that take up time. But how is it that we, or how can we, be more effective at switching between one thing and another? And my first response to Steve, in my own head, before even responding to him personally, was to think about my own situation. I I have a number of different jobs, different roles. The filming for Wheel of Dealers. I have. Uh, I'm on the board of a number of companies. I mentor people. I work with charities. Of course, I've got four children and a wife. We've been building a house for the last year. I mean, there are so many different aspects to my life. And I'm not saying that because my life is any more special than anyone else's. I'm using it as an example. I know many people have so many balls up in the air that they feel like they're constantly juggling. And so it's quite common that we have to somehow switch from one to the other. And that can be tricky, particularly when one of those things or more than one of those things might be really intense, might be really time consuming, but also energy sapping. It might be emotionally draining. And what Steve's situation here, it sounds like exactly that. A big job, a job that takes a lot of his time and energy, and then the emotional pull of his mother's health situation that must demand so much time and emotion from him. I mean, I can't even bear to imagine how difficult that must be. But my advice would be in this situation, my advice to anybody who's trying to switch between different aspects of their life that all demand or have demands on you, is to think about it in a few different ways. There are ways to create habits by which we're able to switch off from one thing and activate another thing through habitual routine. Now, there are a couple of things to factor, to factor in here. First of all, you can sometimes programme neurologically, you can programme your brain to switch between one thing and another based on things like location. Now, that sounds really obvious, but if you work at an office and you come home... There's a something that switches in your brain that says, right, well, I'm home now. I'm no longer in the office, so I'm not in work mode. I'm now in home mode. So now I'm going to deal with family. Your brain does that. We've been programmed to do that for years. We know how to do that without even thinking about it. There are other mean, other methods of doing the same sort of thing. You can be based on, on time. You know, you could say that in the daylight hours, my brain knows I'm working. But as soon as the sunlight goes down, as soon as the sun goes and it gets dark, Well, that's another little trigger in my mind to say, right, well, it's the evening now, so I'm probably not working anymore. My brain can start to switch over to more relaxing situation, perhaps at home. You can program those things in if you have an evening job, you know, in the same basis. You can also do that same sort of thing through clothing, through uniform. You can program yourself to think of one job whilst wearing a particular outfit. You might wear a suit to work, and that's one of the little triggers for your mind to tell you you're going into work mode. It's something many people employed whilst working from home. If you struggled whilst working from home during the pandemic or since, if you've got no reason to go into the office anymore, how do you switch out of that home mode when your brain has been neurologically pre-programmed to think, well, I'm in my own house, I'm not really working? And many people will put on the suit, even though they're not leaving the house They'll put on the suit because it's a little trigger for them to switch into work mode. So those are there's a number of little techniques like that where we can just trick our brain or tell our brain, give our brain a signal that we're switching from one mode to another. So it's time to kick that part of the brain in and think about these things. Now, those are lots of little tips and tricks along those lines. We can create little situations in our our life that trigger those things. It can be things like your first cup of coffee in the morning could be the trigger that you get out of that sleepy mode, you wake yourself up and you go for it. It could be once you've finished your breakfast, you have a habitual routine of clearing your plate away, your bowl away, you put it in the dishwasher, and when you close that dishwasher door and it goes clunk, that's your trigger to go upstairs, get dressed, and you crack on with your day. Any of those little pre-programmed triggers, habits that you can lock in and just give your brain a signal that you're moving on to the next thing. But one really good little tip that I thought might benefit somebody like Steve and others here is something that we definitely used in Formula One. When you have many things to do in a day and they all would take so much time up if you let them. Tasks that we're never going to get to the end of in a particular day but if we just focus on one we're never going to get anything done on the others and yet they might all need some attention. Blocking your day into time slots is a really effective way of compartmentalizing different aspects of your life. Now I have blocked my time in my my day into half hour slots it doesn't have to be half hours it could be hours it could be even smaller chunks than that but i've chosen half hours because i find it's a pretty decent amount of time to get something done you don't have to only use a half hour slot you can bolt a couple of half hour slots together and you've got an hour decent amount of time to accomplish a certain task now if you use a calendar and particularly all of our phones have digitized versions of calendars on and they all break your day or can break your day if you set them to do so into half hour slots. Google Calendar, which I use, does exactly that. You can put those half hour slots into different colours. It's all very easy. Technology has made this a much easier thing to do. And by utilising that technology, and if we use it, have it in front of us every single day, whether it's on an iPad, a computer screen, or your phone, if you don't want to do technology, you can still do it in terms of having a written diary. Get a half hour slot diary. They're, they're out there. But by breaking your day down into half hour chunks, you can decide, again, being intentional about those decisions at the beginning of a day or at the beginning of a morning, how many slots, how many blocks of time you're going to dedicate to one thing in your life before you then, no matter what state you're in, switch over to the other thing that needs your time. If you have, you can do this if you've just got one job, you've got a number of tasks on your list, endless tasks. You're going to spend an hour on the first task and then no matter what state it's in, no matter what stage you're at, you're going to switch over in the next half hour block. Maybe you're going to take a break. Maybe that's when you're going to go for a walk. Maybe it's when you're going to make a couple of phone calls or answer a couple of emails that are outstanding. And when that half-hour block is up, then you've got something pencilled into the next half-hour block or the next two half-hour blocks. It might be that you stick four of them together. You've got a two-hour slot for something a bit chunkier. But by dedicating half-hour slots to certain things in your life, I have certainly found that it became far more productive. Now, this is something that, for me, started in my life in Formula One. Formula One is all about the clock. Everything is timed, scheduled. We're working to a calendar. The stopwatch is what lies beneath everything we do in Formula One. So time is a really important measuring tool for Formula One operations. And even when we're working in an office, when we're in an engineering office and we're trying to think about meetings and I'm sure many of us can relate to this meetings that drag on for way longer than they should have done for way longer than you had time to be in there for block those those meetings into a half hour slot we did it in formula one all of the time we broke our day into half hour slots because we know exactly what's got to happen at 11 o'clock that might be the start of the session at one o'clock. That might be the start of qualifying. The race might be at two. Whichever way it is, wherever you are in the world, the schedule, the calendar is set. So we can then break our day into slots that we can then decide how we're going to use them. And I know it's massively effective. I know it can be effective for you because I've done it in my life and it's changed things massively. Now, I will totally admit I don't stick to this all the time. I go through weekly periods, sometimes even months where I don't do this at all. But then I notice things get slightly out of control. That's when I do start to fall behind on answering emails and I get a backlog, where I've got a bunch of letters unopened at home, where I've got a bunch of people waiting for responses for me on various things on social media or telephone calls I've got to make, and I haven't made them because I didn't factor in the time for them. So being, again, intentional about how we spend our time, it all kind of links in to what we talked about in the first part of this podcast, making decisions and choices that are intentional about our time, making our time efficient and work for us and work better for us can have a huge impact, a knock-on effect throughout the rest of our day, throughout the rest of our week and the outcomes that we get as a result. So for Steve, where he's trying to balance a really high-powered job and then deal with his mum, I would suggest that you find some trigger where you can leave work behind, whatever time that you decide that's gonna be, whatever time you have decided you're gonna dedicate to your mum, leave the laptop in the car when you get to your mum's house, put your phone away, put it on silent, break your time up into those half-hour slots, and if you're gonna give your mum an hour and a half of your time in a particular evening block it in pencil it in write it in your diary that means nothing else can come into that slot in your diary you can't book somebody else in you can't book a meeting if somebody else has the has, has the ability to see your calendar they can tell they can see you're blocked out if you're going to see your mom over a lunch break nobody else can do anything in that time with you because it's blocked out in your calendar And for your own benefit, you know that whilst it might be very easy to want to stay with your mum for the whole afternoon, I'm sure on many days you can't do that because the demands of work mean you have to go back. Or your family might mean that you can't stay at your mum's house all night long looking after her because you've got to get back to wife or children. I don't know your situation enough, Steve, but. These are the kind of tools you can employ by blocking out time and dedicating time to certain tasks intentionally and then sticking to that time frame. It might sound brutal in some circumstances, but when you start to program this into your life, it becomes a habit. It becomes something you don't really have to think about. You look at your calendar. Okay, it's 12 o'clock. I've now got to answer emails for half an hour and you just get on and do it. Because there it is in front of you. Your schedule is written for you. And if you use that as the holy grail and stick to it as best you can, I fully appreciate there will be some flexibility because not everybody can do it that strictly. But it will help you to compartmentalize the different aspects of your life. And by doing that, you should feel much more in control If we bring it back to the Red Bull example of their restrictions that they're facing this year, these are the kind of things that they've got to employ too. They have to be more efficient about how they spend their time in the tunnel. So blocking out certain times for certain programmes, for certain challenges, certain development strands, they've got to be really strict, stricter than ever this year, about sticking to their pre-agreed programme when they go into that wind tunnel. It's so easy. And that's what everyone would have done in the past would be if you're on a a good path in the tunnel, if you're getting some good results, it's exciting. You know, it triggers an emotional response. You want to keep going. You want to tweak something else and try it again, go for another run. But they can't just keep doing that because they will very quickly run out of time. They'll be in breach of their own restrictions and they will be penalised again even more severely. They have to take this very seriously. There are serious consequences to not following the kind of restrictions that they have been placed under, restrictions that they now have to manage. And the same applies to us. If we don't follow a plan, a program of how we manage our time, we will get out of control. We will fall behind. And the knock-on effect of all of those things, well, we all know it. Our mind gets out of control. Stress creeps in. We start to get emotional responses to that. We start to worry about going back to work because the job list is so long. We start to put off making that phone call to somebody because we should have made it weeks ago. Now it's become awkward. How do I talk to them now because I should have done this so long ago? How do I broach the subject now that I should have broached a week ago? When it comes to our own mental health and well-being. Being in control of our lives is one of the biggest factors. It's one of the biggest factors that research tells us is a key factor in terms of how we feel. If we feel out of control in any aspect financial, health, well being in general, mental health, relationships if we're out of control, we build up stress. And when we build up stress, Well, we know the outcomes of those. We make poor decisions. We make terrible decisions, in fact, under stress. We tend to make choices that lead to even further worse outcomes and more stress. And the whole thing just compounds and builds until it becomes almost unbearable. Being out of control is something that is detrimental to an enormous level in people's lives. People who suffer with depression and anxiety feel out of control in many cases it's one of the many cases that led them there then it spirals out of control and it becomes worse and worse it's self-perpetuating now i hope it never gets for any of you to that extreme level but taking the decisions today that will remain keep you remaining in control of your life even the smallest aspects can genuinely really make a difference Choosing intentionally how to spend your time, breaking it up into those manageable chunks where you can control them, where you can see them visually on a calendar, blocked out in color, can make a massive difference. The feeling you get if you get to the end of a day and you are still on target, you're still on schedule, is quite incredible. It has all the opposite impacts that I talked about earlier of feeling out of control. You feel in control. You feel like celebrating. You feel like it's an enormous achievement just to have got to the end of the day at the right time, having achieved the things you set out to achieve. And it doesn't mean you have to achieve everything on a job list within that half hour period you've blocked out. But it's the time and it's being in control of your time, which has some of the biggest benefits to your mental health and well-being. Because then you can go back in the next day and you can go again knowing you're in control and it's not your work that's controlling you. And when you have to split that time up, as we all do to some extent, between different roles, different jobs, different aspects of your job, it's far easier to do if you're in control of it. If you take charge of that situation and then dedicate time to each it still may not be enough time. But if you dedicate loads of time to one and no time to the other, the one that you've neglected will become so out of control, the impact could be severe. Whereas if we dedicate some time to each, we can just manage that situation. We can quite often get much of it done and we can tweak our work program to suit the timetable that we have. We can manage the work to fit the time rather than desperately trying to manage the time to fit the work which is what so many of us do and when we can't do that effectively it slips very quickly and like a snowball effect builds to the point where many of us can't cope so just try it just try breaking your day down into chunks do it in half hour slots or hour slots if that works better for you just give it a go over the course of the next week If you want to use a digital companion like your phone, great. Most of us have them and have it there available to us. If you're old school, go get yourself a diary that does that for you. Write down every day what you're going to do in each one of those hour-long chunks and then stick to it. And if you get to the end of the day, having stuck to your program, give yourself a massive pat on the back. Celebrate it. It will make you feel good. And then you're not terrified about going to do it again the next day. An element of control in our lives is what everybody needs to some extent. And this might just help. So, Steve, thank you so much for the message, for the email. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you to everybody who's done something similar. I appreciate you all. I've responded to everybody. I'm sure I've done that now. I've been dedicating a lot of my chunks of time over the course of the winter to doing exactly that, to making sure that I haven't missed anybody that sent me a message, an email, uh, anything to do with this podcast. It's at my very highest priority, because if you take the time to write to me with a question or a suggestion, a topic that you'd like us to talk about and cover, then I, the least I can do is take some time and dedicate my time to respond to you. So I'm very, very particular about doing that. So if you want to do that, I would love it. I'd really appreciate it. Please do send me any suggestions you've got. If you've got a problem or a challenge in your life that I or our community here might be able to help, if you're willing to share it, I can do it anonymously. Or if you'd like to be part of the podcast, I can share your name too but I want them coming in. I want you to tell me how we can improve this podcast, how we can make it better than it is today, how we can grow it. And most importantly, I really want you to continue sharing it. Sharing the podcast not only, of course, makes this podcast grow, enables it to grow, allows it to reach more people, but it's a much more organic way of doing it. It's a much more effective way of doing it people are much more likely to listen to a podcast that somebody they trust, a friend of theirs or a family member, a colleague they respect, if those people send them a link to a podcast and say, listen, you should check this out, they're far more likely to listen. And because you have chosen that person specifically from your inner circle of friends, they are much more likely to be the kind of person who can benefit from the sort of stuff we talk about here on this podcast. So it's a win-win. So please do share it around, put it on your social media. And if you do tag me in it, anytime you share this podcast, let me know. I see you all and I appreciate you all. And I will show you some love in return. So thank you to every single one of you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of this project. I have got some Big plans. I've got some really exciting plans. That I I desperately want to tell you, but I can't right now because they're happening in the background. They are some time away. But as I said earlier on, the decisions we make today can have some major impacts further down the line. And I am making decisions right now that I hope. Will benefit every single one of you listening to this podcast. I've got some really exciting ideas that I'm floating around that I want your help with, that I need your help with, and you will learn about them in time as I'm able to share them. But this community is growing. It's growing at a fantastic rate. I'm really proud of all of you for being part of it and for sharing it and helping it grow. Please continue to do that. Let me know if it's helping. Let me know how it's helping. And let me know if there's anything else that I can do here that might help you. Send me a question. Send me a suggestion. Send me all of your feedback. And I will see you again next week. Have a wonderful time. Make intentional decisions and think carefully about how you use your incredibly precious and valuable time. I'll see you next week, guys. Do your best every single day to remember this. Do the right things. Do the things right.